Let's talk about something um, very serious. Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. David Williams, yesterday issued a new directive to hospitals in the province that they are to halt all non-emergent surgeries and non-urgent procedures immediately. It says people with COVID-19 continue to fill up hospitals, and they're putting a huge strain um, um, under this third wave on healthcare, on the healthcare system and workers. And yesterday we saw one day record of 36 critically ill patients transferred to hospitals in other regions. Here to talk about that new directive, give us some insight into what this means for people waiting for surgeries. Dr. Samantha Hill, president of the Ontario Medical Association. She is a cardiac surgeon. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Kelly. How are you? I'm fantastic. Now, this directive, of course, is worrying for people that have been waiting for, in some cases, postponed surgeries to actually happen. How shocked were you by the directive that came down yesterday? So I wasn't shocked by the directive that came down yesterday at all. Um, I think everyone in the surgical field has been kind of expecting that since the last directive came out. But what I think it's really important for the general public to understand is two points. One, that we are already 250,000 cases behind where we should be this year. And that, of course, is 250,000 people, 250,000 families, 250,000 lives that are being affected by this delay. Now, we understand COVID and the need for nurses and anesthetists to be able to staff the the ICUs, the ventilators, the actual physical bed space are all at a premium. And so while decisions to ramp down um, surgery make sense and are the correct decision, they are not without cost and they are not without repercussion. The other thing to realize is that there's no such thing in a public care system as a truly elective surgery. Every surgery that is being paid by the public care system is because it is necessary. Mm. And yes, some of them can wait a little bit longer with less repercussions, but they all have repercussions if they wait too long. How, how is this, this directive different from the one issued uh, three weeks ago by Ontario Health? Because they had said, look, ramp down. So, you know, I'm glad you asked that question. Unfortunately, there is a lot of uh, confusion around this particular directive. I have had many, many questions from members trying to figure out exactly what this means and exactly what they're being asked to do. There is, it's confusing because it says must ramp down, but it's also written in a vague way. And my I think the intent of that was to allow doctors the freedom to try and best triage their patients, Mm. but it's really not clear at the moment. So the OMA staff is working closely with CPSO and with all of our other stakeholders to figure out what this means, what the expectations are, and also what our responsibilities are to patients in this context. Okay, you're trying to decipher the directive, so maybe you won't be able to answer this question. You're still working on it as well. But I was reading that according to the directive, the decision on uh, postponement of surgery should be made using processes that are fair and transparent to all patients. What the heck does that mean? Well, I think that means doctors should remain doctors and be good people. <laughs> In wow. all honesty, uh, when we make decisions around how to operate and who to operate on, it's always based on the available resources, the patient acuity, and it's really done in a fairly transparent way. There aren't big, you know, controversies or secrets around it. Any hospital that has ramped down is prioritizing life-saving or early life-saving interventions over things that are able to be delayed longer. But, you know, I hate even saying that because that Mm. patient who's waiting for a gallbladder removal or a hip hip fracture to be fixed, I mean, they're in pain probably daily. And they are 
um, at increased risk for opioid uh, addiction because of the pain requirement. I was just wondering. And particularly those hip fracture patients, they have significant loss of mobility. And we know that in our elderly, um, a hip fracture is very closely related with loss of independence and winding up mm-hmm. needing a assisted living environment because you just don't regain that strength, especially when you're older. So nothing here is elective. Everything is very unfortunate that we're in this place, you know, a year into a pandemic where we have to be making these decisions. And obviously doctors and nurses and all of the hospital workers will continue to provide the best service we can to patients, the best care we can to patients. But people need to know that uh, there's a lot of suffering going on right now. I want to ask you about the big C because that immediately sprung to mind. You know, it seems to me that I, if I found out I had cancer, I'd want it out of me as quickly as possible. How's this going to affect cancer surgeries? Aren't they all emergent by nature? So you and me both, um, if I found out that I had a mass that you know was cancer, even if we didn't know for sure it was cancer, because sometimes we don't know until we take it out, um, would want it out as fast as possible. Now, from an absolute scientific perspective, the risk of, you know, it depends on the cancer, but for many cancers, they can't, they grow slowly and they metastasize slowly. And the risk of delaying that for a week or two weeks is not entirely significant. But it's also the the tricky part about statistics, right? On one day, there will be no metastases. And on another day, there will be metastases. And who's to say what day that is? So mm. it absolutely will have outcomes on our cancer patients. It will have outcomes on our um, cardiac surgery patients for while we're doing patients who are having acute chest pain or acute uh, events, there are lots of patients with significant disease who are being offered surgery to prevent that event. And when we operate in the middle of an event, the patients don't do as well, uh, the system doesn't do as well, and it's much harder on everyone involved. It would be more costly, right? Because you've got to get those people into ICU as well. And that would m- maybe mean um, moving more patients around. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about how disruptive COVID has been to the economy. And it's really important to realize that delayed care is always more expensive than early care. And so in the context of many of these patients who are waiting for surgery, also losing productive work time where they would be contributing to the economy and helping us as Ontarians stay on top of things, Um, They're not able to do that, but also when they finally do get their surgery, instead of it being a day surgery or four days in hospital, for many of them, it'll be a week in hospital, two weeks in hospital, needing convalescence or rehab afterwards, and all of that adds up. Um, It makes the system move slower, of course, which means more patients are delayed afterwards, and it costs the system more. And I, I mean, I was going to ask you how this would affect an already backlogged system, but I think we can all imagine it's not going to be uh, very healthy when we come out of this. We're going to be uh, looking at more dollars. Uh, we're looking at burnout with staff where it's it's just an ugly situation all the way around. One question that I have for you that I think a lot of people are wondering is why postpone the surgeries? Is it because we're moving doctors out and nurses that would be in those um departments into, you know, uh, caring for uh, critically um, critical care patients that have COVID? Or are we concerned about them uh, getting COVID? Or, you know, we've got field hospitals. I think the some people would think, well, why don't we just use those? It's a great question. And so the question really revolves around mostly human health resources. And so every doctor, 
doctor I know has volunteered and booked uh, and put their names onto a service called Book Jane so that if ICUs do need them, if vaccine sites do need them, we are available. But it's actually not at the moment the doctors who are in the shortest supply. It's mostly the nurses and the PSWs. And you can imagine that a lot of the skills involved in working in an OR are very similar to the skills involved in working in a recovery unit or working in an ICU. These are nurses who are very comfortable with patients who are unconscious and the the care needed around that, patients who are intubated and the care needed around that. And so there is um, a shortage of nurses. There is a shortage of capacity to move people around. And I know we've put out calls for help um, or the government has put out calls for help across the country. But, you know, we also have to be fair and realize that even those provinces who are trying to help and send people, many of them are understaffed to start with. Canada has a an amazing healthcare system, but it's also a very under-resourced healthcare system for the care that we provide. And during regular days, doctors and nurses and hospital workers, we all kind of patch the holes as we see mm-hmm. them happening. But when you get to this many holes, it's, it's impossible for individuals to patch. And we're starting to see that very clearly. Uh, before I let you go, I just want to ask you, how are people going to find out that their um, surgeries have been canceled or postponed? How soon will they start getting messages? Um, so they will be getting phone calls from the physician's offices. Uh, usually the admin person, the secretary or receptionist will be making those phone calls, but some of them may get phone calls from their physicians themselves. And, you know, as we have clarity on what exactly needs to be canceled and rolled down or ramped down, those calls will go out. I would say though, to all of the patients out there, two things to remember. One, if your symptoms get worse, if you aren't feeling well, please, Talk to your doctor, show up at the hospital if you need to. The ramping down of activity does not mean that you will not get the care that you need. Hospitals are a remarkably safe place. There's very minimal risk of catching COVID within the hospital because everyone here is very trained on infection and precaution. Um, And the other thing is everyone who's out there, please get the first vaccine that you can. I know there's been a lot of controversy over one of the vaccines in particular, It is really important to recognize that your risk of getting COVID, your risk of consequences from COVID are many fold higher than any risk with any of the vaccine. They are effective. They will keep you from being hospitalized. They will keep you from dying. And right now, um, that's probably the best thing you can do for yourself. Dr. Hill, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate you um, explaining exactly what this new directive means in the case of all non-emergent surgeries immediately being halted. Thank you. Thank you so much. Stay safe.